Welcome back to another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? I'm David. Uh, I'm a single dad to my one and only child. He is a boy. His name is Miles. He's three years old. I first had him at the age of 50. I first had him at the age of 50. Um, his mother had him, but he is my first child, and I had him. I keep saying I had him, and I don't understand why I keep saying that when I didn't actually birth him. He was born when I turned 50, not long after I turned 50. And I'm Chris, a.k.a. Clark, uh, single dad to three girls ages 18, 12, almost 13, and uh, she should probably be 13 by the time this airs, and 11. I had my first kid at 25, and it's funny because I also use the terminology, I had him. So even though I didn't carry them for the first nine months, I did an awful lot of carrying until my 18-year-old, who's now five foot ten, can carry me around. But yeah, single dad to three girls, had my first kid at 25, now age 43. So we like to remind people who we are and why we're here. You know, so firstly, let's define what a single dad is for our yeah. purposes. Yeah, I forgot all about that. We, we just assume everybody knows how we define single dads. You're absolutely right. Right. So for our purposes, a single dad is someone who is actively involved in the development and growth of their children. So you're not just financially supporting your children, you're emotionally supporting them, you're having conversations with your kids, you're there for your kids, what we call businessing with your kids. We do business with our kids. Right. We're gonna merge that. We, we, we absolutely should. That, that, that should be the first one. Uh, the, the second shirt that we come out with and we're putting the cart ahead of the horse is LDA, leave daddy alone. But for our purposes, that's what we define a single dad as. You know, somebody who is living a separate life from the mother of their children or the other co-parent of their children, but actively involved in the development of those kids. And, and let me just say, Chris, and I'm thinking that you brought that up, right? So for me, right, what does that mean? Well, right now we have a court order, but we were doing this before we had a court order. My kids spend the night at my house 15 days out of the month. Right. And in our case, you know, we have a, a split custody agreement where I have the kids at least four nights a week. Uh, my ex-wife has them about three nights a week. And we juggle that. You know, we had that agreement in place before, you know, we, our divorce was final and we adhere pretty closely to it depending on what each of our lives demands from us at the time. So, so we, we yeah. have flex and give and take. Yeah. And we have flex too. We go back and forth, even though, you know, we're going through a tough time right now. We still manage to work that. So there is one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get into what we normally get into. And so I manage our Instagram stuff, right? And did you see what I posted a week ago with the father riding his little girl in the rain? Because we had some really bad rain here in New York yeah. last week. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I saw the post. And we'll talk about why I wasn't here for that rain in a second. But go ahead. So I posted it, right? Nearly 13,000 views. Wow. A whole bunch of comments, a whole bunch of likes. But one of the comments, and I'm not going to say who the person was. I mean, if you really want to find out, all you got to do is go to the, um, you know, our Instagram and look at the comments and you can see for yourself, right? Right. But the person says, grace yourself, the feminists are coming, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Right? So, right. you know, I want to remain active um, because it's about, you know, interacting with people, right? Social media is about interacting. So I responded, um, we would be worried if this was an anti-feminist or anti-mother thing, but it's not. Listen right. to our podcast. We relate to single moms and women in general on every episode. We are simply speaking in a voice that has just traditionally not been heard. 
which is fathers, you know, single or otherwise. When it comes to parenting and raising children, you usually hear about mothers. But but here's what I really want to say. And we're working on this, right? I'm, I'm working on a promotion right now for us that speaks to, you know, single dad, why you mad, and what why you mad means, and how ambiguous it is, and why we left it ambiguous for a reason. If you following us or listening to podcasts, hoping that you're going to hear two Black men ranting and raving about their co-parents and how awful their co-parents are and how she did this and she did that and all of that, you're wrong. That's not what you're going to get here. You got the wrong show. You tuned in to the wrong channel because I am not going to sit here and say that I do not get angry or do not have disagreements with my co-parent. But, you know, it's like you say in the beginning, and it's like, this is, you know, we don't claim to be child-rearing, dating, relationship, co-parenting, baby mama experts. You know, we're just the opposite. We're learning. And I'm not here to rant and rave about what's going on with her as much as I am about how I can be the best dad that I possibly can and trying to learn from, you know, you sitting across from me who, you know, has got three out ahead of me and uh, anybody else who may want to weigh in on it. Absolutely. You know, like, and I think to your point, the purpose of this show is, is to improve what we're doing, you know, and to, and to share our experiences as we're, you've, you've heard me say on every episode so far, as we're flying the plane and changing the oil at the same time. And there will absolutely be moments where we are at points of, of frustration and at loggerheads with our former significant other. But I think it's one of the things that I try to explain to people about relationships as a whole. You don't have to like somebody all the time in order to respect them and work with them or even love them. I think about being one of five kids. You know, I'm the third of five kids. My siblings and I love each other to death. We ride or die for each other. But there are absolutely times where it's like, yo, get away from me. <laughs> like, give me a little space. I don't like you right now. I love you, and we're going to reconvene later and solve whatever issue it is. But at the moment, you need to get away from me. And we go through that with our family members and the people we spend the most time with. Why do we not expect that to be the case with people that we have been rom romantically involved with or people that we co-parent with? You know, you are absolutely dealing with somebody who has a completely different perspective or if not completely, significantly different perspective on at least some issue. We're not always going to get on. So you may hear that on our show, but it's very, I would say it's never that we're going to go in with the intent of trying to slam somebody or provide a anti-feminist agenda. Like that, that's not what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking now about being with your family and not always agreeing with them all the time, I'm going to ask you how your week was and what happened and what did you do? My week was amazing. And I've been throwing out the word amazing an awful lot, but that's the only way to describe it. What I did in the past week, a little over a week, was I went on my first vacation in about 10 years. Uh, I've traveled within that 10 year period, but it's been for work. It's been work related. And yeah, I've done an overnight in a hotel. And that was generally because my kids wanted to go to a comic book convention. And so we stayed in a local hotel at the, the convention venue. So those are the things I've done within the past 10 years that involve travel or staying away from home. But this was my first full-fledged leave my business cell phone at home leave my laptop at home, do not think about work, and just enjoy the people that I'm with in 10 years. First time in 10 years. Log off. Log off. Disconnect. 
and re-energize for the first time in 10 years. And, you know, going to our point, we we're talking about, you know, the back and forth or the, you know, the ability to communicate with our baby mamas, as it were, shout out to my baby moms, shout out to my siblings, shout out to my mom, because it was, you know, them essentially leaning on me and going, you need to reboot, you need to refresh, you need to restart, you don't ever do anything that's not work related or kid related, you know, for a protracted period of time, you need to do this. And, you know, like I said, my, my, my ex-wife was absolutely an integral part of me making the decision to disconnect. And I am incredibly refreshed and loving life right now. So thank you to all of you for your efforts to get me out the door and into another country. Where'd you go? All right. So initially we were supposed to go to Cuba. So me and my ex-wife were standing in the post office doing expedited passports with all three of our kids so that we can make this trip to Cuba. And then I think it was either that afternoon or the following day, it was announced that uh, the government had cut off all travel to Cuba. So you had a bunch of travel agencies, cruise lines, and so forth, scrambling to figure out, oh shit, what do we do with all these trips that we had planned for these people? And in our case, they uh, reissued a new itinerary that took us to a private island in the Caribbean that's owned by the, the cruise line. Um, we were supposed to go to Puerto Rico, St. Thomas, and Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. And we made it to every island except for Puerto Rico because there was rioting going on in Puerto Rico uh, the night before we arrived at Port. But you're saying we. You keep saying we went. Who? Yeah. So it's so, now, so if I'm if I'm listening to the podcast, right, and I don't know nothing, I'm thinking that you, your ex-wife, and your three kids went on this cruise together as a family. Well, no. So the ex-wife did not go, but there were 21 of us on the boat. So it was my mom, my five siblings, all of my mom's grandkids, her one great grand, the in-law that survived, my my one brother-in-law who's still married to my sister and his parents. So 21 of us in total. Um, so we were super deep and I shared a stateroom with my uh, three daughters, which was a trial in and of itself. And uh, how long did y'all, how long were y'all gone? We were on the cruise for eight days. And it's funny that you said, as I'm saying, we, what pops into people's minds. Because as soon as you say, well, who's we? My initial thought was, oh damn, somebody think I got a woman now. No, I'm still single, ladies. Still single. Just throwing out there. So eight days uh, mm -hmm. away with the family. Eight you days away. Sharing yeah. a room with three girls. Yes. Did single dad get mad ever? Oh, dude. So it, it, it's funny because there was a point during the trip where my daughters, you know, at, at two separate instances were like, dad, you know, are you okay? Because you seem a little angry. I'm like, me? I'm the most relaxed I've been in a very long time. Why would you say that? Well, you, you seem a little grumpy. I said, well, the occasions where you've seen me grumpy, are those occasions where I've had to talk to you about things? Yeah. I said, right. As much as this is your vacation and your time to relax and your time to decompress, it's mine. I said, and I have to interrupt my vacation to talk to you guys. So like, to give you an example, the first day we're on the boat, we're all we all have matching shirts so 21 of us are running around this cruise ship in matching shirts and a handful of tweens you know the ones who were like ages 11 up to 13 and there's maybe about six of them running around the boat causing mayhem and i happen to be the one who stumbled across them and i'm like um bro i know you want to have fun i know you want to hang out but there's six of you in matching shirts running around causing chaos in a place where you cannot escape and you're easily identified be easy be calm right 
right? Have fun. Don't draw attention to yourself. That was day one. Fast forward, there's an incident where my middle kid and my uh, youngest kid get in an argument, tussling in a room, and cause damage in one of the rooms. So now we have to straighten this out. So that was the second instance where I was a little grumpy and had to have a conversation with all six of those tweens again. And then the regular thing was, oh, you know, the room is just in a complete state of disarray. But that's a function of having four people in what was essentially half of know, a studio apartment. Dude, not even the size of a studio apartment. It, it was, I said half. I said half of a studio apartment. A, a, quarter, a sliver of a studio apartment. The bathroom, super tiny. So the four of us have to ch- have to share it and you, you walk in a room and there's clothes all over the place and they've managed to go through every towel the housekeeping has put out for us. And when I want to sleep, they're wide awake. And when they're, they want to sleep, I'm wide awake. I mean, granted, we didn't spend a lot of time in the room, but those little interactions. So that led me, I posted it on my Instagram. I'm not sure if we put it on the single dad Instagram, but it was the question, you know, liking somebody is one thing, loving them is another thing, being able to tolerate them, completely different ball games. So uh, how much did this entire venture cost you? Because you had to pay for four, right? It was costly, but I will also say, you know, the benefit of the government interaction is that we got a 50% reimbursement. So it, you know, it worked out. And then it also proposed the question of just thinking about vacation. When you take a vacation, do you do the cruise line and get to see a bunch of different islands for a brief period of time? Or do you do an all-inclusive where you pay the one price, which is generally less, stay in one country, but have all your stuff taken care of in one shot, one kit? You know? I can't say my week was that exciting, right? Um, I just hung around, tried to get some work done, and uh, have been going back and forth to court. So... Uh, that's about it. So what's shaping up in court? Has there been any movement? What's, what's going on? So uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about on the back end here, I definitely have some trash to take out, or I don't even know if I'm going to call it trash to take out. Um, there's definitely somebody I want to pat on the back. And I definitely have a, this is why I'm mad. But we're finished with the hearing on custody, obviously. We're still splitting right. him 50-50, even though my request was that I be made the custodial parent and that he's with me on any night that he needs to be the school to next day. But I'm appealing that decision by the court. So I filed appeal documents on time and then served everybody. So now I need to make my way, you know, to the appeals court to find out what's the time frame for when they want briefs and all that other sort of stuff. But in the meantime, she filed a petition for child support. You know, there's two pieces to child support. So there is the simple support, which basically means you make X dollars, I make X dollars. Because we split him down the middle um, with respect to time, then it's usually the, then nobody is usually named the custodial parent, but the person for purposes of support that makes less money becomes the custodial parent, meaning that they would analyze my salary and say, okay, 15% of my salary should go to her prorated based upon the amount of time that he spends with her. And the idea behind that is that you don't want there to be a difference in living conditions because he's living in two different places. So that's where we are with that. We went to the first hearing where, you know, they're checking service and then we go back in September. So uh, neither one of us was served. I didn't get a chance to serve her because I filed my own petition because the second piece of it, everything on top of support. So there's daycare, there's healthcare, there's you know all that other sort of stuff that I pay directly. So my position is, you know, she has a fair share of that that she needs to pay. 
and what is that fair share? So that's where we're at now. You know, we go back in September, you know, we'll try to get that worked out. And that's really been my focus, that and work. I really haven't had too much else going on, but I would love to take a vacation. I was thinking about taking my kid to a wedding in Los Cabos, Labor Day weekend, but I don't think that's going to work out because not that it's going to be his first time on a plane, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get his passport in time. I mean, I can go to the passport office, but me and his mom ain't gelling right now, so I don't know how that's going to work out. But I could go to the passport office in Rockefeller Center, and I could get them to expedite. It's my understanding you get it back in five days. But then I also check the room. I have a room already. I, I reserved the room, and I can cancel that. Like, I got another 15 days to cancel that. But yeah. the flight is 700 to $800 round trip each way for both of us. That's $1,800. And that's not even really the kicker kicker, right? The kicker kicker is that it's eight hours out there, and it's eight hours back with a stopover in Dallas-Fort Worth. And that's a lot for a three-year-old. You know, that's the thing, whenever I would look at travel, and that's why it's taking me so long, people go, oh, it's only X amount of dollars. I'm like, son, that X amount of dollars is times four in my case. Absolutely right. If it's just you going on an escapism tour by yourself and you shelled out all this money, that's great. That's amazing. I want to go somewhere. I got to figure out how I'm going to do that for four people in total and with one income because that's the other thing like I'll have you've heard me talk about that swan principle people go oh look at these people they're going on this vacation their family's going here they're going there I'm like they have two incomes or they have one person who slays the dragon of the household things so that the income earner can focus on making that income when your focus and attention is split you don't have that ability to generate the kind of income that you would if your holistic focus was on work yeah that's fair with the occasional pitching in and diving in yeah That's fair. So, so yeah, I, I completely get where you're coming from with, with, with the dollars and cents of it, man. It, it, it's, it, it could be damn near abusive, especially, you know, with the passport fees, you know, expediting passports. I will tell you, though, that um, if you've got about a month out, which you do, you have a little over a month, you could do the expedited passport, just the regular expedited passport for your son and have it back within about two weeks. Well, I'll check it out. But the biggest deal is that eight hours you know, round trip with the stopover. That, I, I'm not quite sure how that would work out for a four-day trip. For a four-day trip, I'm, I'm not sure that'll work out. But transitioning into our um, subject matter for today, discipline, disciplining our kids. So, so when 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 we first uh, talked about doing this episode, right? You know, I was thinking that I don't really have much to offer here because you know my kid's three years old. How much disciplining, you know, could I possibly be doing with them, right? Right. Um, and 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 then I had to think about it for a second. For, so 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 I wanted to to relate back right, to how I was raised, right? Um, first of all, I got beatings when I was young. <laughs> I got a beating, right? <laughs> you did something fucked up. You got a beating. So, I'm right. talking, you know, this is the 60s and the 70s. There was no calling 911 or uh, calling BCW or ACS or whoever the fuck they call it now. There was none of that. You got a beating. Right. My mother was famous for throwing a slipper if you did something that was crazy. Let me tell you the one thing that I really remember. So first of all, I was bad, right? I was, a, but I was, I, when I look back on it now, I was a troubled child. I just didn't know it then. And I don't think my parents knew it. Or if they did know it, they didn't really know how to deal with it. Um, but right. being adopted, no matter how wonderful a family you grow up in, no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how well they do for you, you always grow up with issues of abandonment. You just do. It, it, it's stuck with you, right? 
Um, if you ever listen to uh, or watch the movie about Steve Jobs, he was a doc, and he talks about it, you know, often about you know his issues of abandonment, and those are some of the issues he had. If you listen to the movie or you watch the movie um, with his kid, where he didn't treat his kid, you know, as well as he could have. And somebody once said to him, you know, why do children who have been adopted always look at themselves as somebody? Um, who was abandoned versus somebody who was chosen. Absolutely right. It's, it's, it's a valid point. It's a good point. So I was troubled, right, growing up. I was always getting into trouble. I was always into something. I was not a very good kid, right? So, um, but a quick question. At what age did you find out you were adopted? Oh, I always knew. I started, I, I always knew. It never was a secret. It was never a secret. Yeah. And, and so, but you were with, the, at what age were you adopted? Uh, I was adopted at age 10, but I was living with them from age two. Okay, so you yeah, so you've been with the family for as long as you could actually remember. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember anybody else. Right. I don't know anything else. Um, I was in foster care before that um, with an older family, but, you know, from, you know, I never came, my parents that bore me never took me home from the hospital. So mm. I have no idea. You know, I went to live with these older parents. And the only reason I know this is because, you know, um, I asked for it, looked through the records from the adoption agency. You know, I was just a troubled child, right? You know, internally. So bad grades in school and all that other sort of stuff. I remember my mother said to me, David, you bring home one more. So, so, <laughs> oh man, I forgot this shit, man. Oh man, I forgot this shit. When memory kicks in, oh. Oh man. So before she said this to me, right? You know how you used to get a report card and the teacher would write a grade on it? Did you ever change the C? Did you ever try to change the C to a B? I never did. I had a lot of friends who did, but I never did. Man, I did that shit so many times. And it just looked ugly. When I look back on it now, there's no way in the world that C really looked like a B. It right. didn't. Well, it, like, I didn't even have the same color pen, the oh, same color so blue I pen. Why would I think that somebody's that dumb, right? And this is why parents say to their kids, you didn't start doing this, motherfucker. We've I been doing this shit for 100 years. You didn't invent this shit. You didn't invent being sneaky. We've been sneaky for 100 years. Now all of a sudden you're going to come along. So yeah, I'm changing the B to C. So I changed a D to a C. How do you do that? Because it's not open, right? Okay, so it doesn't fucking work, right? And I got in trouble for that shit. And my mother told me, you bring home one more of them Ds, and I'm going to hit you with that, and I'm going to beat you with that big black frying pan under the stove, right? <laughs> Remember them joints? Remember them joints? As soon as you said it, I pictured the big cast iron skillet. Yes, yes, the skillet. That's what she told me. She said, I'm going to beat you with that big, that, that frying pan under the stove, right? Right. So sure enough, Next report card, I got one of them Ds, right? And I'm acting a fool the entire fucking semester. But sure enough, the report card comes. Now, all of a sudden, reality sets in. So now, I don't come home. I go to the police station. And I'm sitting outside the police station on the steps with the big sad face on, hoping somebody will say something to me, right? Are you kidding me? I swear to God, I did this shit. Are you fucking nuts. Fucking nuts. I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> if my kid ever pulls this shit, I'm going to fucking wring his neck. I'm oh my God. Yo, go ahead, go ahead. I, like, I have so many I, questions. So I'm just sitting outside the police station. I'm sitting outside the police station, right? With right. a bad face on. Let's just say, um, you know, 10, I was in middle school. So you're in middle school. Um, I was 12, 13, somewhere around there, right? And 
Finally, this cop says to me, what's the matter with you? Walking into the station, I said, nothing. He said, what's the matter? Nothing. And then, what are you sitting out here for? And then finally, I spilled the beans. My mama said, she gonna hit me. So he calls me inside. He takes me into the community policing officer. His name was Iskowitz. I remember him because he became the uh, officer at our high school, meaning who ran, um, you know, the officers in the high school. And he sits down and he talks to me and, you know, he looks at the report card and he asks me a bunch of questions. And he says, well, you know, sometimes kids need a little pat on the bottom. I said, she says she's going to hit me with the fry. He said, well, let me call. I'll straighten it out. Call? You're going to call her? Oh, Jesus. Now she's, oh, no. she's really going to kill me, right? I thought y'all was just going to send me someplace else. But, you know, I got home and I didn't get a beaten eventually, but it was awkward as fuck. <laughs> Yo, because your mom has the impending doom of the NYPD behind her. Yeah. If your ass go missing, they yeah. know who the culprit is. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dude, I was nuts. I was nuts. And looking back on it now, you know, um, even with all of that involved, it wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. But, you know, with respect to discipline, that's how my parents were. You know, they were... You know, and then after I turned like um, 16, when my father passed away, um, my mom um, really went into, you know, this sort of depressed state and she really became hands off after that. You know, it's yeah. your life, you know, especially when I turned 17 and 18, it's your life. You do with, with it what you want to do with it and you're going to find out on your own what it means to be out here trying to live with the choices that you made. You know, I think that was really became her attitude after a certain amount of time. She just didn't have, you know, the energy and, 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 and the strength anymore. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, uh, that shit didn't kick in for me until I turned like 23 and, and I got it together and decided that, you know, the life I was living was not the best. And a lot of the things that they said stuck with me then or had already stuck with me. But with respect to my kid, he's only three years old, right? So how much disciplining could you do? Well, you know, I make sure he's in bed at a certain time. I make sure that he takes regular baths. I make sure he brushes his teeth. You know, I, I, I do structure. But with respect, you know, to like spanking him or anything like that, I really had to do that twice. And when I say spank, I mean like a little pat on the bottom. Once he was running out into this, he was running down the block, looking back at me laugh. And then, and this was probably like maybe six months ago. So let's just say he was just under three or he was somewhere between two, just after two. And he was running back, looking back at me, laughing. And I had already had conversations with him about walking out into the street without holding my hand. He's looking back at me and he's laughing and he runs out into the street and I grab him and I pull him back and I give him a pat on the bottom. And I said, do not go into the street without holding my hand. So that was one time. And then another time in our older apartment downstairs, I told him to stay away from the outlet. And he looked at me and backed over toward it and put his knee in near the outlet anyway. So I grabbed his hand and I gave him a little pat on the hand. Right. But, you know, besides that, it's more, you know, the tone I use when I speak to him. You know, I try, and, and sometimes he'll even say to me, why are you yelling at me? And I'll say, because I've been asking you to do it for, you know, X number of times and you're ignoring me. I need you to do what I'm telling you to do. You know, like just now when I put him in the bed and to, to, to take a nap. You know, I said, it's time to take a nap. And he says, but I don't want to take a nap. 
And I said, it's time to take a nap. And he starts that crying and that uncontrollable, you know, sobbing. And I'm sitting there looking at him and changing my tone. I told you to go get in the bed. So I'm going to take a nap. He, he didn't want to. So I had to grab him by the arm and put him in there. And he's screaming and crying. And I walk out the room and I come back in three minutes later, he's asleep. That, that's, that's, you know, my experience with this. I was hoping, like I said, as I started out, that you would have way more experience with this than me. And you can let me know what's coming. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I guess starting from how I was disciplined as a kid. My parents are from the Caribbean, so they would share licks, meaning like, you know, you would get a spanking. How do you say I, that again? Share licks. Like you would share get licks. Lick. Or, you know, one, one of the things they always used to say is hard ears must feel or hard ears make for a sore ass. And that didn't necessarily work with me because while I was, you know, a rambunctious kid, I, I, admittedly, I was a kid who was always in the middle of something. I was curious and my curiosity would get the better of me. Or I knew I was smart. So I'm like, hey, I can figure my way out of this. And I just did what you know I wanted. And so on the back end of it, my parents would spank. And it was to the point where, and I, I just want to frame it like this. And I, this is the way I, I tend to frame it for people whenever I talk about you know me as a kid. I wasn't the worst kid in my neighborhood. I wasn't the worst kid on my block. But I was the worst kid in my parents' house. And I was more than enough for them, right? And so, you know, I would get in, I would get in trouble for school for not doing work. Not that I didn't have the capacity. I, I was just disinterested, you know? So it would be, you know, situations where, you know, I get a report card and I got a C or a D. And my parents are like, what the hell? Why do you have these grades? Or, you know, as a really, really little kid, I thought I was helping my neighbor with gardening because we were weeding. And then I climbed over the gate, figuring I was being extra helpful and pulled up all of the, you know, the vegetables he had planted for the season and left them on his, on his doorstep saying, hey, I helped out. Meanwhile, I had uprooted all of his work for the season and completely destroyed his garden. Were you truly trying to be helpful? Yeah, I was a little, I was a little kid. I was maybe like six or seven. And I didn't know the difference between weeds or what, or and vegetables. I just pulled everything up because we were weeding before that. Damn, I don't even think I was that old. And I remember getting a spanking for that. And my neighbor, like not knowing for years that I got spanked for it until I was like, you know, maybe like 12 or 13 and we we're talking about it. I was like, yeah, you know, that time I helped you garden. And I put, he's like, you got spanked for that? Oh my God. You know, you felt so sad. Um, But yeah, there were a lot of situations where I, I absolutely did look for it. I was just in the middle of some shit. And I remember my kid sister, you know, my, my, my little sister, who's a, you know a little over a year younger than me, like just sitting there looking at me in the in the kitchen, crying, going, "Why can't you just be good?" <laughs> you know, and, and it's it's a running gag between us now. Like you know, she's just like, "Why can't you just be good?" And it wasn't that I was trying to be bad. It was just like, yo, know, I I was interested in certain shit, and you know, I just pursued that. So even like as I got into my teen years, where yeah, you know, my mother was like, "Be home at nine o'clock," and then I looked out at my watch, I'm like, "Oh shit, it's 10. Well, I might as well stay out until three o'clock because I'm gonna get the same ass whooping anyway, you know? And it was usually my mom, actually it was always my mom who delivered the spankings. Like my dad worked a lot. And even when he was around, it, he wouldn't really, he wouldn't raise a hand. But my mom would be the one who would spank me. And to her credit, like she would always wait until I got into the house. So she had to come out looking for me. I was like, shit, I'm in trouble. And she would march me to the house. And once the door was locked, you know, I got the spanking. But she also realized at a certain point, like this isn't stopping him from doing what I don't want him to do. Correct. Like this, this is a 
futile effort. I'm tired as hell. He's getting bigger. So my mom took the grounding and she would be like, you know, this is pre-internet and pre-smartphones. You know, so the only entertainment you really had was being outside or watching TV. So it was like, no TV, no outside. And it was to the point that I got grounded so much that the dudes on my block started calling me Big Chris from upstairs. Like, you know how most of the prisons in New York are up north. So you have a guy who comes home and they're like, oh, yo, Big Pete from up north is back. Mm -hmm. like, yo, Big Chris from upstairs. He, he on work release. He got to come outside. And That's so I'd, I'd literally just be sitting up in my window watching my friends play. I was the same way. So what's really crazy is because of that, I had gone through most of the books that my parents had in the house that were like, even things that weren't age appropriate. So I went from being a kid who in first grade, teachers were like, yo, we don't think he could read. And he's not at the, the adequate reading level that by the time I finished third grade, I had a collegiate reading level. So it paid off. It paid off. And the other thing is one of my teachers in fourth grade, she introduced this thing called dictionary skill as a form of discipline. So she sent a note home to parents saying, you know, I do believe in corporal punishment. Can I hit your kid with a ruler? And my parents were like, hell yes. You know, <laughs> do you need this notarized? And sent the letter back. So the way she would do it is instead of like beating a kid in the middle of the class, she would hit you on the hand with a ruler, right? But that was secondary to the primary form of discipline she used, which was the dictionary skill. So if you got caught for some sort of infraction in class, you were misbehaving, or you didn't do your homework, or you know you were talking during class, she would have you go to the dictionary, she would pick a letter, and depending on the size of your infraction, you would have you know, to go 5, 10, 15, 20 words deep, right? You would write down the word of that given letter, write down the part of speech, write the definition, and then you would have to create your own sentence using that word properly. And if you thought you were slick and you decided to copy the word that was in the dictionary, she would make you do an additional 10 words. You know how many times I had to stay in from lunch doing dictionary skill? A lot. And so I would come home and my vocabulary was so expanded by these punishments that like my sisters were like, you, and these are my older sisters who were like six and seven years older than me. Why are you making up words? That's not even English. You know? So that was a function of the discipline that was put towards me as a kid. Now, as a parent, like I definitely had those situations where my kids have gotten a tap on the bottom but they were few and far between. Like I can like each of my daughters, maybe one or two of those situations. And with me understanding myself and understanding them, I realized physical discipline is generally, at least in my opinion and the studies I've read, is usually a function of parental frustration. You are angry, you're frustrated, you are tired, and it's because your words have not reached this person. It's also a function of tradition. Traditionally- I Yeah, I believe that's big too, that's big. Yeah. Traditionally, we are taught, you know, a kid gets out of line, you spare the rod, you spoil the child, right? And you don't get the same result from a child unless they have a level of fear. It's all how you implement that fear, you know, and or that 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 authority more so than fear, right? Because I will say that I don't think my kids walk around with an ever uh, omnipresent or ever present sense of fear for me or fear of me. And there are absolutely times where I talk to them and I don't get the response I want. But like you guys are listening to my voice now, my voice is not made for yelling. So when I yell, I don't think it's horribly intimidating. And I curse a lot. So I don't think that scares my kids either. But they know when I'm serious. Like when my tone gets incredibly low, then they're like, oh, all right, he might be serious right now. You know, I think one of the things when I look at holistic discipline, right, it's about understanding who your kid is and what gets to that kid. Now, you may have a kid that responds to being spanked. Like I have friends who are like, yo, I spanked my kid that one time back in 2000 and they've been a straight A student and they listen to me and they have the fear of God when I say something and it worked. Then you have the other kid who goes, yo, 
beat me. Please get it out of the way so that, you know, I can go back to doing whatever the hell I was doing and we can forget about it. And those kids, grounding works on because the worst thing in the world for them is to be bored or to have things taken away. Mm -hmm. With my, my oldest daughter, one of the things I used to do was I would actually take her toys, you know? So, but I think ultimately it's a matter of understanding your kids because that approach would never work for my second kid. You could take all her toys away. You could take, you know, her video games away. You could take her phone away. And, you know, if she had a pencil and a piece of paper, she's going to find a way to entertain herself. What approach does your uh, ex-wife take? Oh, she's a yeller. She is absolutely a yeller. And when she yells, they're scared of her yelling. Sounds like they're more scared of her than they are of you. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I, 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 I would say without a doubt, they are more scared of my ex-wife than they are of me. Um, I say the difference is she'll yell and then whatever she's yelling about, depending. Because there are, there are times when she'll stick her guns, but there's a lot of times when she'll yell and get frustrated over something and scream and yell and create a scene. And then a couple hours, a day, two days later, she moves on from it and she's like, whatever. You know? And uh, what position uh, does Mia take, your sister? Mia? You know, it, it's funny because Mia was a spanker too. Um, but her kids, like, I think her son, he used to get into a bunch of stuff. But he was never, like, out in the street, like, hood kid. He was just a rambunctious kid, mm -hmm. you know, like kind of like me. But in terms of Mia's discipline style, she got her kids to a point where, you know, her talking to them genu generally works. And I find, like, for me, for the most part, other than cleaning up, which is just a function of them being artists and, you know, just super focused on their art, for the most part, if I talk to them about things, they engage and they go, okay, dad, you have a point. Or, okay, I can see where you're coming from. And it won't 110% correct the behaviors, every behavior, every time, but I get a lot more results out of it. Yeah, and that's where I would like to be. That's that's definitely the parent that I would like to be. Because I, I think one of the things we have to keep in mind as parents is that, you know, our kids, for the most part, aren't malicious people. You know, like kids don't do things because they're mean-spirited and want to drive us nuts and they hate us. It's because they are little people with their yeah. own agenda. Yeah, they're kids. They're kids. And they're, right. And their own agenda comes in conflict with the things that we want. You know, I don't want you stepping out in the street and running by yourself, but it feels good when I run. And, and believe it or not, he actually has that under control now. Like, I'll let him run out in front of me, but when he gets close to a curb, he stops. And I've had major conversations with him after that first initial pat on the bottom, I have had other conversations with him about how, you know, going out into the street is dangerous and look at the cars are coming and all that. And he repeats it back to me. You got to hold daddy's hand. It's dangerous. You got to be careful. The cars are coming. So that's the sort of conversations I would prefer to have with him so that, you know, when it comes time to have conversations about other things that are way more important, like, uh, you know, uh, sex and everything else, you know, uh, something sticks versus you know, um, me just saying it and he feeling like, you know, it's a demand. But uh, yeah, we need to keep moving. Um, so uh, what do we want to do first, Chris? We want to, you know, do take out the trash, pat on the back. Um, this is why I'm mad. Or do we want to talk about the, some of the things we got working on in the future? Which one do we want to do first? Sure. Let, let, let's, let's stick to the script. Let's knock out the take out the trash and the, and the pat on the back. Do you have any trash you want to take out this week? Listen, I got a whole gang of stuff. I told you, even though my week was not uh, exciting, I wasn't in the Caribbean, I wasn't on cruise ships, I wasn't avoiding Puerto Rico and trying to get to Cuba and everything like that. I had a whole gang of stuff that just didn't go right. Let me not even say didn't go right, just didn't sit well with me. And I'd love to let it out. So I'm not even sure if this is a take out the trash, right? Um, but... Um, I live in a doorman building in Harlem. Now, there are plenty of other doorman, I mean, there are plenty of other buildings in Harlem that I could live at where you have a buzzer, right? 
and yep. people have to buzz upstairs or if somebody comes walking out the building you know you catch the door open and then you come inside and then you go upstairs right but that's not where i live i live in a doorman building right and there's a reason behind that because i don't want anybody coming upstairs knocking on my <laughs> i don't want anybody come knocking on my door right yeah, without just like your apartment door so they made it into the building and just come knocking not knocking not only that it was at six o'clock in the fucking morning yo what so unannounced so so this is what i think happened right let me tell you what i think happened right what i think happened is that um we're in court right now i think my son's mom was trying to have me serve with papers he whoever this dude is comes to the doorman at six o'clock in the morning and says i'm here to serve papers on fort on on x number of apartments and the doorman knows he's not supposed to ring the buzzer or call up at those kind of hours right Right. So I think that he chose to walk this dude upstairs or either let this dude upstairs. And then I hear tap, 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 tap at the door, right? right. So I'm laying on the sofa. Miles comes out and, of the bedroom and lays on top of me. And we're sitting there laying, trying to go back to sleep at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Tap, 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 tap on the door. So Miles up. He looks at me. I look at him. And, 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 and then we both look at the door. And I said, we ain't got to answer that to him. And he says, okay. And he lays down and he tries to go back to sleep. And then tap, 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 tap again, right? right? Dude, do not come knocking on my door, waking me and my kid up on a day when we got to be to work and he got to be to school at six o'clock in the goddamn morning, yo. I don't care what it's for. I'm telling you, if I had to open that door or looked out that peephole and saw who it was, they might have caught that baseball bat that I keep by the door. Don't come knocking on my door at six o'clock in the goddamn morning. I pay to have a doorman keep people from doing that. Right. And if for some reason he thought that it was okay to do that, then he crazy too. So well, did you did you talk to him about it? I talked to him about it, and he gonna say he wouldn't do that, man. So so this is really what makes me mad, right? right. So he's shiftless. He's one of those dudes that's always, what's up, my brother? Hey, my brother, what's up? My brother, what's up, brother? What's up, brother? Hey, brother, what's up, brother? You know what I'm saying? And I asked him, did somebody come? Nah, man, I don't, wouldn't let nobody up there. You know me, I hold your packages and stuff like that downstairs. I wouldn't let nobody come up and do that, right? Yeah. And then I said, okay, so as I'm walking out the door, he said, oh, by the way, there was the marshals was out here. The marshals was out here. They rolled like 10 deep. I think they went in the building. They kicked somebody's door in or whatever else it is. The marshals don't knock on your door like that. The marshals don't go tap, 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 tap. No, they bang, 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 bang. We coming in. And it, it, you got a doorman at your building and somebody getting raided by the marshals? <laughs> listen, listen. You can't control who your neighbors are. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think happened. I think that some the dude was trying to serve me, and the dude and he says, "Okay, I'll walk you upstairs because I can't ring the bell at this time." And yes. then when I don't answer, he is feeling a certain way about it. So now he don't want to, you know, he don't want to cop to the fact that he walked dude upstairs. Yeah, or that he let the dude upstairs. But I went to management office. They supposed to be checking the video to see what happened. So we're gonna find out what happened, right? right. Um. So that was one of the things, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing that really got at me, right? So I told you we got a decision in the case, right? For custody, right. right? So I'm filing an appeal, right? And in filing an appeal, you have to go and get all the transcripts for the appellate division, right? Which yeah. I did. So I order all the transcripts. So in reading through the transcripts, I noticed that there was a hearing that was held 
that I was not present at. Wait, what? Exactly. Well, her, her. Oh, that worked, Reggie. So, <laughs> so I had a board meeting one night. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to the judge, which you do, and, and requested an adjournment. And I filed it with the court, right? So mm-hmm. it was my first one. There's no reason why they shouldn't grant it. And they did grant it, right? right? And they just send you out something that says, okay, your adjournment was granted. Come back on this date, right? That was right. in August, August 30th of last year, right? So I look at the transcript from August 30th, and he and my son's mother are carrying on a conversation for like 20 minutes. So on the date that you were supposed to be adjourned, he's listening to judge. her. He's listening to her talk about what she wants, what she needs, why this is not working for her and all that sort of stuff. And then he makes her a promise that he is going to come up with a schedule that does such and such. How do you do that outside my presence? So you remember me talking about this judge and how I felt he was full of shit in the first goddamn place and how he went off the record one time talking about he didn't see any reason for changing legal custody when I wasn't even asking for legal custody and a whole bunch of nonsense I felt like this dude was going through. So this yeah. Is, yeah. So he had a hearing with her outside my presence when I requested an adjournment and he granted it. Was sitting there having a conversation with her about what was going on and the parenting styles and her having to work and do two jobs and not being able to see her kid in with the second job and all sort of sort of stuff. 20 minutes that conversation went on. So, but, because, uh, and bear with me, because like I said, me and my ex have tried our damnedest to stay out of court. You know, since since we came up with that decision, how does one even have a meeting with the uh, with the judge if there was an adjournment? If it was adjournment, it's a cancellation, from what so, I understand. So you request the adjournment at the clerk's office, and right. you send in a paper. So if we had a hearing for August thirtieth, and right. I can't make August thirtieth, at least ten days before that, I need to go, or even if the day before, I need to go and fill out some paperwork that says I need an adjournment. This is why I need an adjournment. I file it with the clerk's office. They mark it, receive. They give it back to me. They ask me to serve the other part, right? Yeah. So I told her I was adjourning it, but she went anyway. So it's just her and the judge. So the judge opens up. He looks through the paperwork and he says, okay, so I received the notice that uh, Mr. Proctor requested an adjournment. I'm going to grant that adjournment because he had a board meeting. Um, But he says, in the meantime, so what's going on with you? And then they start to have a conversation and it's on the record, 20 minutes long, where she's pulling at his heartstrings. Oh, so she showed up even though there was an adjournment and he made the time to see her. Yes. Oh. Now, how is that shit not improper? And then they, neither one of them mentioned to you that they had a conversation during the adjournment. The only reason I even found out about it is because I fucking ordered the transcripts because I'm, having, because I'm appealing his decision. Otherwise, I wouldn't have never known about it. Wow. So what's the recourse? Uh, that's the first thing I'm going to mention in, in, in my appeal is that, uh, you know, here is an example of how uh, the judge did not uh, grant um, equal time to both of us, how I did not see the same privileges that she saw. Right. It's right there on paper. Yeah, it's right there on paper. And we'll see what they come back with. Um, and then the last thing I want to do, so if you remember... Um, you know, I was giving uh, them cats down um, the court offices down at the court building a hard time, right? Yeah. Talk about, you know, how I ain't like them and how they was full of shit, right? Right. So at the last hearing, you know, uh, things got a little heated, right? Um, so I can't uh, imagine. You can't imagine. <laughs> so she was downstairs before me and she was sitting outside the place. Um, 
And I didn't want to go outside the front door because I knew what was going to happen, you know, um, an exchange of words. And then what does it look like? It looks like, you know, a black man, you know, um, with uh, a decent frame, you know, who looks like he's in the gym arguing with a woman who, you know, uh, has a soft cast on her foot. And, you know, I didn't want to get into that sort of, uh, those optics. I did not want those optics to exist. So um, there was a, uh, a black woman court officer standing at the uh, door and I guess her supervisor, an older white gentleman sitting there. So I just said to them, listen, um, you know, I know this is going to sound crazy, but uh, that's my baby mama right there outside. And um, she's probably pissed right now. I prefer to not have to go out this door. And they said, don't worry about it. Happens all the time. Come this way. And the officer, she walked me through some tunnel, down up some stairs, around some corner, and out the back door. <laughs> out the, she gave you the Beyonce exit. <laughs> no. Shucks. I felt like uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce leaving the concert. Yo, you come out some back exit that is like a hop, skip, and a chump away from the train station. And uh, unless you know that door is there, there's no way in the world you'd find me. Right. Uh, and that's what they did for me. And I appreciate them for that. So uh, I wanted to pat them on the back. And I've seen it in there. I've seen couples in there arguing in the elevator, back and forth in the stairs, all kind of nonsense. And it's not, it's just, it just doesn't, even though the kid is not around, it just looks bad on both of y'all. I don't care who did what to who. It looks bad on both of y'all. So on that note, I'll do a take out of the trash and, and you know, talking about the optics of situations. And one of the things that I noticed in traveling is parents who will berate or even spank their kids in public. Like, I got a problem with that. You know, and I talked about like how my mom, when I was a kid, regardless of what I did, I, our business was handled at home. You know, it was like, you know, you acting up, we're gonna deal with that. But the optics of you screaming and yelling like a maniac at your kid in public, and, and generally for some small infraction that comes from the frustration that goes along with travel. You know, like, get out the way so I can get these bags. Or hurry up and move. You know, it's like, bro, like we all pissed off. We all had to sit in the a airport. We have all had the experience where our flight has been delayed or our kid isn't moving as quickly as we want them to. Take a deep breath, hold it down, you know? Don't put that shit out on Broadway for everybody. That's, That's fair, yeah. Thank you for that, because, uh, yeah, you don't want to be talking to your kid like he ain't your kid out in public like that. Or even right. at home. Even at home. Why talk to your kid like he ain't your kid? Right. Like, because the thing is, we don't expect our kids to remember that shit. But we know damn sure we do. Yeah. You, rem yeah. you remember every time your parent got frustrated and said something they shouldn't have? As an adult, you know, 43-year-old dude, I could tell you times when my, my mom and my dad said something that stunk. You know, and do I do I carry with me, you know, in the forefront of my mind? No, because I had the relationship with them where I understand or we've even conversed about, you know, what their meaning was or, you know, even if they've gone as far as apologizing, right? But it's still there. And a lot of us, we go forth, we put those behaviors, we call our kids out of their name, we scream, we yell, we shout, we say all men are damaging and horrific stuff, not just behind closed doors, but in front of other people. And then we wonder why our kids turn out a certain way. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's fair. That's not cool. And you saw a, bu you saw a bunch of that? Oh, I, I saw a fair amount of it. You know, the, the other thing I see, which is, you know, a, a, co a completely different episode, and I've said this for years, that no matter where you are in the world, if you're in an airport or you're in a public place and you wait around long enough, you will see a woman verbally undressing her man, ver verbally dismantling her man, 
for something he should have remembered or he should have done. Almost, almost, almost across the board. You, you have some woman like, yelling at her, at her husband or her significant other for something that you know slipped his mind. So that's another interesting component to, to travel. But like, yeah, I, I think travel grates on people. You know, especially with like the format that we have now, having to go through checkpoints and TSA and not being able to do certain stuff, and you know, having flights change and gates change and delays and so forth. It, like, it's 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 not natural. It's not something that the human mind and body are meant for and you know it gets the better of us i mean like my flight back after the cruise i was in the airport for 10 hours but i made the most of it um and quick pat on the back i just want to give a pat on the back um to my boy d sissiot and his wife the uh two awesome parents uh who have become dear friends their daughter is like my extra kid as i call her and you know just the way that they interact with their kids and mine you know i, I want to give them a pat on the back and a shout out like dave is an amazing musician you know probably in the time that i've known him he's actively worked with three bands has won awards for his work with these bands and decided one day as we were hanging out, having a conversation, you know what would be neat is if somebody DJed with nothing but cassette tapes and a month later, this dude was, was, <laughs> was booking gigs for an all cassette DJ set. And his wife, Thea, is an amazing artist uh, in her own right and an art teacher in one of the local high schools. And continues to help foster my kids love art so shout out to you guys big ups love you to death all right good work good work um chris you want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff we're working on yeah absolutely so as we're you know putting out new content there are a handful of the projects and a handful of episodes that we're going to we're working on and trying to get to you guys in short order. We don't exactly have a timeline or a chronological order as for when each of these episodes is going to happen. But one of the things we want to do is a deeper dive. So a lot of people have reached out to us regarding the how the fuck did we get here, our first episode, and they want a deeper dive. I can't tell you how many people asked me to go deeper. They wish we had gone deep. Yeah. And we, we, we tried to keep a, the episode to a finite amount of time and we, David had to do a ton of editing to get us down to that hour. <laughs> so, you know, we're going we're gonna to revisit that and we're going to have a third party asking us some of the deeper dive questions that you guys have put forth. Um, we also want to do a single mom perspective. So on some of the topics that we've touched on, inviting single moms to share their perspective on, on some of the episodes and some of the topics that we've already addressed. Or even stuff that they just want to talk about, even stuff that just gets, get that, that sounds, that's important to them. Oh, absolutely. And then I think the one that, you know, we talked about before we even recorded our first episode, but we've been getting a lot of feedback requesting is the baby mama episode. Oh my goodness. So having our respective, the mothers of our respective children on an episode and we're still working out whether we're going to get both of them on the same episode or each one. We're still one. working out whether or not we need security. <laughs> See, I, I, I've always said, like, you know, it just depends on the week. So right now, I think, my, you know, my ex-wife would wholeheartedly jump on and support the podcast and, and, and share her perspective without verbal, well, I can't say she, without verbally beating me up because I know she's just going to say what's on her mind. That's the kind of lady she is. Um, so that, 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 that should prove interesting. That should absolutely prove interesting. Um, but I think those are, those are the, there are a handful of other things that we're working on. I think those are the three major uh, episodes that we want to deliver to you guys. So, you know, the deeper dive on how we got here, the single mother perspective and the baby mama episode. We all, well, 
you know what? I'll add a fourth. We also want to do the DILF episode. So for those of you who don't know what a DILF is, Google it. Uh, but it's an episode on dating and women's perspective on dating single dads. So this is that's not going to be, well, we don't know. Who knows how it can morph? But uh, I don't think we planned on talking about our personal dating experiences. As not much if as, I can avoid it. Not if we can avoid it. <laughs> as much as we wanted to um, listen to women who have dated single dads or dads that spend a significant amount of time with their children when they, that woman, doesn't have a child. Right. Yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah, all right, good. All right, uh, call to action, me or you? Well, I, you know, I would say our call to action is always the same. You know, thank you guys for joining us. You know, ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults, <laughs> we, we plan to see you guys in two weeks, but until then, follow us on Instagram at single dad, why are you mad? And the words are completely spelled out. Uh, visit our website at www.singledadwhyyoumad.com. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast formats. Comment, rate us, review us. We are on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on TuneIn, Stitcher, pretty much all of the podcast formats at this point. And we want to give a big up shout out and a thank you to our thousand plus subscribers. And for those of you who follow us on IG, anything else you want to add, Dave? No, I think that's it. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Peace.